This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Shalom and welcome to Practical Spirituality here in Jerusalem with uh, H.com and, um, you know, the Essentials Program carries on throughout the, uh, the coronavirus uh, uh, epidemic or pandemic. Uh, hey, Yomtev. Good to see you. What's up, guys? Nice to see you, Benjamin. Um, please turn on cameras, have your cameras on so I have someone to connect to. <laughs> Thank you very much, Yaeli. Okay, Shia, if you can put on your camera, Nicole Chaim Lungil, please be on there uh, with your cameras on. That makes a big difference to the class. Okay, the feedback has been the more people on the screen, the more they see I am in the flow. So let's do that all together. Um, just throw those cameras on. And feel free uh, to say something if you'd like to say something, you know, during the class. Feel free to uh, be part of that. Yeah, I see. There's a okay. Hi, I guess that's Nicole. Is that Nicole? Hi, Nicole. Yeah. How you doing? All right. So we are in. Um, we're we're learning the safer. We're learning the prayer Nishmas. Nishmas is written. Um, about 2,000 years ago, and it's, um, it was sent by the, um, one of the sages who had, um, gotten the names of the, of God from the Kohanim in the temple, did acts of wonders for the early Christians, and then convinced them all to move to, um, Rome, and then this great sage lived in Rome, hi David, they lived in Rome for the next uh, period of time, um, for meaning the rest of his life, as the leader of the Christians. Of course, he was really one of our sages. And he sent two great prayers. One of those prayers was Ahava Rabba, and the other prayer was uh, Nishmas. We're doing, we'll probably do both. Um, right now, we're on a Nishmas Kochai. And, um, and it's very apropos during the coronavirus because of uh, the class which you can refer to on um, Facebook or Torning Time. It was taught on uh, March 19th, and on uh, Torning Time, it's probably written on March 20th as being put out, because they put things out a day after Facebook, but the but it's a class that explains the entire connection of the coronavirus, the crown virus, which is the crown, what is crown? Crown is Keter, it's the crown of God, and it's, um, and as you all have been, you know, slowly becoming aware that this virus Though it's shaking everyone up and all everyone's like having to shed so many things that they thought were part of their identity are going to slowly realize who's who's going to actually who are you that will emerge from all this and what will emerge from all this will be whatever's truly you and and uh, it's a great shedding that's taking place and just like when many different animals out outgrow their skin they will shed it like a snake will shed its skin or a lobster, whatever, they, they shed their skins. And, um, and, that, uh, and that, that gives them the chance to grow, but you can't grow in the current skin. And, and that is, a, that is a generally a, um, a mechanism that exists in creation. And, uh, and, it, and it is the case that, that, um, that, that, that there can be, and we're learning now, I wouldn't have known it until the coronavirus, but what we're discovering is that the, that the, 
that mechanism can actually have a global level as well. It can, we can hit, you know, like God let us pull the rubber band only so far until it, you know, eventually snaps back and, and the world sheds its skin. So there's been many times where, where, um, you know, where, where civilization has gone through upheavals and, but uh, it seems that on a global level, we've never had like, meaning like Greece was definitely taken down and Rome was taken down, uh, you know, as the Roman Empire. But of course, Rome exists in whoever's the most powerful Western country, which today is, uh, right now is, uh, you know, the United States, let's say. But the, um, anyway, but the, that, that's the idea is that, oh, what I want to share is that this is the first time I think that the whole globe's getting taken down. And therefore, unlike Greece that totally disappeared in Rome, that, meaning the Romans that disappeared and many other civilizations, the Babylonians, you know, um, in this case, you know, where's the world going to go? It can't disappear. It's the whole globe. So, so what's going to happen instead is the globe's going to have to shed, shed some major stuff. Now, the majority of stuff that's been shed is stuff that um, has been a positive shed. Um, I just said to my wife this morning, I said, I wish we didn't have to shed people because, you know, there's obviously many people are dying over this. And, and you know what she said? She said, think about it. If death wasn't one of the options, if death wasn't an, a possibility in this, how much would the world have paid any attention to this thing? Right? You get that? <laughs> the answer is nothing. Like we would have completely ignored it, you know. So, so it's not like death was an option. Of that wasn't like one of God's options to have the world shed its skin. Okay, that was not one of the options. It it, it had to be there, unfortunately, and unf and sadly, we've had a lot of losses. And and um, and this uh, class also is dedicated to the speedy recovery of many of those people. Some who are Asian personnel, and. Um, and some who are, um, you know, are, are students of mine and also just the whole planet, you know, everyone who's suffering uh, from the virus. And uh, a little quieter, please, out there. Uh, my holy family, they've been putting up with my live feeds. I'm on four hours a day. So I, I got, in New York time, I'm on 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. with uh, Eckhart Tolle's A New Earth, a totally Jewish perspective on a new earth. That's been way beyond what I thought. I thought it was an okay idea. I had no idea how good it was. And it's just been amazing. And it's a very small group of men who joined, but anyone can join. And I strongly suggest you check that out. You can look it up on the rabbiyomtov.com and go under special services. And uh, that's called my, it's my coronavirus webinar. Um, and then the, um, and then I'm doing my seminar for graduates. The possible review is in the, at 3 to 5 p.m. New York time, and that's been wow, amazing. Okay, so we're in Nishmas Kolchai, and this is that this amazing prayer. And um, I think we should be able to finish it today. Famous last words. And uh, is someone working on a tea, Chami? Nechami? Um, okay, so we had just gotten through with saying that that uh, if I were, if 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 I had like if I were just totally electrified in prayer it, and like could like ultimately recognize God, it would not be one iota, one 
godzillionth of what I should be saying and how I should be praising God, meaning I could never approach what it is to thank God on that level. Mimitzrayim Gold Tonu, from within, from within Egypt, you redeemed us, Hashem Elokein, and now we're going historical, and from the house of our bondage, you redeemed us, Pidisanu, and now it goes on to some other things, which is pretty amazing, Berav Zantanu, in times of famine, you sustained us, and which is like, if you're here today, believe me, you have ancestors that were sustained through famines, so through famines, you sustained us, and in times of uh, plenty, there you were you were supplying it. You know you were you were uh, feeding us. You saved us from the sword, and uh, I don't know if any of you were saved from the sword, but I've I've been held up at gunpoint twice, and uh, the first time was a full on miracle. You know I'm I'm the the these particular. Um, uh, ba- gunmen, da- bandits in Los Angeles. I was visiting LA. They, um, these gunmen, the po- according to the police, we were the first people in one month, every single night, they had pulled off a armed robbery of people. We were the first people that, um, that were not killed in a month straight by these people. And when we were in execution position on our you know, they'd put us on our, me and these two students. I was, I just finished teaching a shir, and I was standing, you know, in an alley between Asia Torah and its offices, which were on the other side of the alley. So here I am, like, with a gun at my head in, in execution position. The other two boys have guns at their heads. We're on our bellies on the ground and with guns in our heads. And, um, and they're about to pull the trigger again. We're the first people that were not killed in a in a week of in a month of uh, armed robberies. The um, just then a car drove down the alley, and the guys freaked and ran. We were the only ones not killed. Next night they they robbed again, and the people were killed, and, uh, and so on and so on until about a week later they finally caught the guys. I almost had to fly from Israel to identify them, but. The two other guys. We're the only. Th- we're the only three that ever survived these these particular bandits. And but thankfully, the other two guys were able to identify them, so I didn't have to fly. I literally got a phone call in Jerusalem saying, "We need you for uh, for identification purposes." And uh, but thank God I got out of that one. Um, so I've had. I know about PTSD. I've also worked my way out of PTSD, and, and having been through that. And that it was something amazing just on that subject is that is that I failed so badly getting held up at gunpoint. You know, you always wonder how you'd hold up in a situation of that kind of like acute crisis. Like right now we're in an obtuse crisis, but an acute crisis, like how do you hold up? So I failed badly and I was the rabbi. I, I just failed so badly. I didn't even say Shema. Like I was so, I was such a deer in headlights, you know, I was just like, I didn't say Shema, like I, I miss saying Shema on the, when I was about to die, you know. I was, I remember the thought in my head was, the thought in my head was, I can't believe I'm going to die in foreign soil in this circumstance under these, you know, illiterate hoodlums. 
you know, like, what a way to die. I was like, I was embarrassed to die in America. You understand? Like, like it was weird. It was like, I can't die in America. You know, like that, that would be, that'd just be a disaster. And like, I, I didn't mind dying. I just didn't want to die there, you know, in some random alley, you know, like that was just, <sighs> and uh, I don't want to die here either, but if I got to die, I'd rather be in the Holy Land. You know, I feel so bad. You know, people who live in Israel are very seriously wed to the land. Like we've married this place. We're wed to the land of Israel. And, and um, I feel bad because a, a friend of mine went for, uh, he went for surgery in New York at the bad timing, meaning right when the thing hit was when his, he was getting surgery, right when the coronavirus hit. Anyway, as you can imagine, that didn't go well. And uh, he's now buried in America, like... His family sent him, like his wife and kids just sent him to America for like a surgery on his leg and we'll never see him again and he's buried. There's a full Israeli family you know, and he's going to be buried and he was buried, you know, somewhere in the East Coast. I don't know where he, where he was buried exactly. And um, anyway, um, so I failed that one big time. And by the way, I learned something else, which is kind of embarrassing to say that the when something, when they say something scared the you know what out of them, it's real. I thought it was just a saying. <laughs> you see, David's nodding. You knew it was real? I didn't know it was real. I thought it was just a saying. It's real. Yeah, it's real. And so, meaning that's how badly I failed. You know, before I could even tell my wife, I had to wake up my wife late that night and let her know what happened. And I, But before I did that, I had to change my underwear, you know, having had gone through that first responders smell when they come to a car accident. You're kidding. <laughs> that's terrible. Uh, that's what happens. It's very real. Whoa. That's freaked out. So, um, anyway, but it believe it or not, it happened again. Like, how many people get two chances? So, it happened again. And um, I'm not going to tell you the circumstance of the second one, but here's the amazing part. I took the guy down. Now, I couldn't have taken all three of those guys down, so we would have for sure died. But this was a one-man show. And I i don't know what happened to me. I just, like, it was like, I was like, been there, done that, so let's try something else this time. And I literally grabbed the hand of the guy, took him down, and then held, there was a crowd of people there, so I held the gun away from all the people. You know, he was still gripping the gun. And I just held him down until everyone came and, like, took over. It was just like just amazing and by the way I did all that totally unconsciously that was not I didn't make I didn't decide on any of those moves I don't know if David you can explain why the second time I didn't freeze but I just didn't freeze at all like I I just I didn't say Shema either I just got busy with this guy like that you know like it, everything was split second zero thoughts involved sometimes you just simply you're so angry you're infuriated in the moment <laughs> Yeah. That's what happened to me. I was once robbed, and I chased the guy. Uh, I was just infuriated. I didn't even realize he might have a gun and turn around and shoot me. You're just so angry. Wow. Anyway, we'll save that for now. Okay, so um, anyway, uh, where am I holding? So, Mecherv Hitzeltanu saved us from from the sword, which in this case was the gun, but that's just the modern version. 
Um, Guess what Dever is, guys? Plague. You know, you know, Dams Fardeh, Kinim, Dever, Shrin, Dever. This is the coronavirus is called Dever. Okay, which is very interesting because it has to do with word, Davar, right? The Daver, Dever word. You know, because where has the world advanced to that seems to be like so far away from where we were supposed to be? And the whole advancement of the world all begins with speech. It, so the human being was given a nishmas chayim, the soul of life was blown into Adam's nostrils and suddenly like cognitive abilities and speech and you could create worlds and, and, the, um, and look where it's led to. And, and so the, it's very interesting that plague is the word dever, which is dalad base resh davar, the word, you know, it's pretty interesting. Um... I'm trying to think if, like, we have a very few days till Pesach. Are we like, going to get more plagues, or is it just Dever, you know? There's been the most intense locusts ever in history this year, meaning just two months ago, and including today. Like, right now, I think in Oman, Jordan, they're having a plague of, of it. It was going on all over Africa. I mean, the Africans don't even know what they're going to eat this year. After meaning whole states, meaning whole countries of Africa were blanketed with with them, they ate all their crops. They, I forget how much they eat per second, but it's like some massive, when you have billions of them, how much they eat per second. So that happened. We had locusts. That's uh, 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 Dams Fardea Kinim Arov Dever Shrin Arbe. Arbe, yeah. Arbe is the plague. And so that happened this year. Now we're in a plague of, uh, of uh, you know, of uh, Sickness. Shrin uh, is lesions. I mean, I don't know. Anyone have any extra acne right now? You know, like that's that's lesions on the skin. The um, uh, I know that the monkeys in uh, in the somewhere in the Far East Asia are attacking people, and that's uh, Oriv, which is one of the right Dam Tsvardea Kinim. Uh, oh no! Uh, wait, there. What was the wild animals? The kids. Which uh, plagues the wild animals? Arrow. Arrow. Is that number four? Yeah. Yeah. Four. Arrow. Yeah, I said it earlier. Arrow. So Arrow is wild animals attacking people. So. I don't know, have you guys noticed any wild animals running around your streets or anything? But, but, uh, but it's interesting that the monkeys have turned on the people um, in some country. I forget which country it is. Uh, but if you Google uh, monkeys attacked, uh, attacking the people, but it's going on somewhere over there. And, uh, and apparently um, some other country is getting attacked by, like they're having a major rat infestation. I don't know if that's called Oriv. Arov. Anyway, back to us. Um, and, and sickness, this is all stuff God saved us from. Sickness, bad sickness, multiple uh, sicknesses, hard to beat sicknesses, meaning faithful sicknesses, in that they stick around. Um, Dilisanu, you got rid of for us. You you saved us from them. Okay? 
Till now, you've helped us with in your compassion. And you have not, uh, you have not forsaken your kindness has not been forsaken for us. Hashem and then we ask God. Don't, um, don't forsake us. Don't, don't drop us. Now, that's an interesting line. I ask people sometimes if they know what that means. Don't forsake us forever. What is that supposed to mean? Like, do you guys ever think of God having forsaken us? You ever think about that? Nicole, over there in your IDF uh, sweatshirt, you, you ever think of God forsake? Does God forsake us? Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm sure at times it can look like it, <laughs> but do I believe that that's actually the intention? No. So it's very interesting. This prayer right here is, if I translate it literally, it's the Altichenu. Don't forsake us, Hashem, our God, our, you know, Lord our God. Don't forsake us forever. What's that implicate? That He has forsaken us. So what's this all about? So the answer is, is that is it's talking about uh, not bringing redemption yet. Meaning the the base makers was destroyed. The Jewish people were scattered, and so we've been. It's like we're forsaken. I mean, you know, imagine there's no Washington D.C. and all the people in the U.S. have been scattered all over the planet. Would you call them forsaken? 100% forsaken. So the reason why I think the Jews never feel forsaken is, first of all, part of our identity is the wandering Jew. We, we know that we wind up all over the place and we never disappear. So we, we, well, God obviously didn't forsake us. And also, we also know that Netzach Yisrael lo Yishaker, the, the eternity of the Jewish people never, funny, the word Netzach, it's right there. Don't forsake us la Netzach. Don't, ha, don't forsake us forever. Hey, Devin. Don't, no, you've got two Davids here. Don't forsake us forever. And, um, and the, uh, but if you look at us from a national perspective, you know, we're big time forsaken, big time forsaken. By the way, I do, I do want to mention something on the, on the level of, um, uh, oh, on just, uh, things I noticed I, in the Jerusalem Post, I was reading the Jerusalem Post and I was talking about, there was an article called why the Haredim, the black attitude people were so slow in following the, um, you know, the instructions of the government, like they were really slow. And, uh, and, um, and notwithstanding how slow they were in America, because they were also slow there, but, but, um, there was an article about why they were so slow, which was not a bad article. It was basically explaining, you know, various things, but of why they were slow and, and they're real. And it makes sense why they were so slow. And not, one of them, for example, is that there's almost no internet. And so no one's really up to date with what's going on, things like that. And, um, anyway, but, but, I, but I was thinking like, like uh, oh, and it was talking about like, you know, lack of trust of government and stuff. And they're real ra- they're rabbis of the Jewish people in, observe, in the Haredi community in Israel. The rabbis are really the prime minister. You understand, they're not, they're like, they're not taking a, a clean shaven, you know. He, by the way, Netanyahu keeps kosher. And he probably does something for Shabbos. I know he makes Kiddush and he has Tanakh learning every Thursday night in his house and stuff. He does stuff. He's like, it's great. But, um, but um, you know, he's not observ- He's not considered an observant Jew, you know, like fully observant Jew. And, um, and so if your life is Torah, so one of the reasons why they were so slow is because they were just looking at the leaders. And the leaders were like, we pay no attention to these government officials, you know. 
And and by the way, that if you think that doesn't make a lot of sense, you should know how much sense it makes because for the last, um, I guess if Torah was given Mount Sinai 3,331 years ago. So who was the leader of the Jews for, till the state of Israel? Where's is the state of Israel? What, how many years are we now? 70, anyone know? No, how many years? Anyone know how many years? Seventy-one, maybe? Seventy-two? So, so David, what's 3,000? Unmute yourself for a second. What's 3,331 minus 72? Shouldn't be that hard. It's 3,331 minus 72. Uh, you're muted. Your mic's muted. Go ahead. 3259. <laughs> 3259. So for the last 3,000, I mean, think about all your great, great grandparents and everyone. For the last 3,259 years, who was the leader of the Jews? And the answer was, well, whoever knew the most Torah. Whoever knew the most Torah in your region of Europe or wherever you lived, he was in charge. I mean, even the governments throughout all of Europe and even in the, the Sephardic countries, if they wanted the Jews to do something like pay another tax or whatever they wanted the Jews to do, they spoke to the leaders of the Jews. Who were the leaders of the Jews? Whoever was the chief rabbi of the Jews. All the chief rabbis throughout all of history had a major political life in our exiles because they had to deal with, you know, if they wanted to or not, they would just get brought to the prime minister or king or wherever they were brought to to, you know, because there was a new message for the Jews. So for 3,251 years, every Jewish leader had a beard a hell of a lot longer than mine. Yeah? And they were like, they were like, their faces were glowing with Torah. They were just like, and, and they, uh, and those were the leaders of the Jews. Now, just because we're all used to there being a Jewish leader who looks like Ben-Gurion, or, you know, or looks like uh, Golda Meir, or looks like um, Rabin, or uh, Netanyahu, or Perez, or, you know, suddenly the leader of the Jews looks very different than all of Jewish history. So the people who still are tribal in their, in their Torah observance, that didn't, like, fool them for a second. Their leaders remained to be the leaders of the Torah world. Does that make sense? You understand what I'm talking about? That's still the leaders. Anyway, so this article was talking about how the Jewish people were like, how, sorry, how the black hat people were slow. Uh, they were slow in the coronavirus uh, instructions. And they still remain a bit slow, actually. And, the, uh, and so they were kind of explaining between that and the other, and the lack of internet. You know, it all made sense. Um, uh, you should know, by the way, in, um, in for example, in Maimonides Hospital in Brooklyn, um, there have been uh, grocery store just dropped off our order. Need to get it into the apartment. Are you kidding that you're telling me that in the middle of my live feed? Um, <laughs> the um, <laughs> just come back when you're done. Okay. <laughs> Anyone who has to leave, please send me a note. So, um, it's just kidding. I'm kidding. Do not do that. Um, the I love the I love how much he knows I love him. <laughs> I mean I really love that guy, David Cohen. Like really love that guy. And he just figured he can't leave without letting me know why. Um so, so the um 
Halavai, we all knew how much someone loved us. Like, he knows how I feel about him, you know? So, um, what was I just saying? I was just saying something important. David, can you remind me? Anyone can remind me? It was on... Um, Maimonides. Maimonides? What did I say about Maimonides? Just you said something about didn't have the internet, and now if you look at Maimonides in Brooklyn or something like that. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I was thinking about the Rambam. Just saying how the community is slow. Yeah, yeah, I know. I, I thought Nicole was talking about the Rambam. I'm like, I was talking about the Rambam. So yeah, Maimonides Hospital. So guess what? You want to hear something crazy? Um, people, uh, people. I have reports, firsthand reports that we were called about here. Uh, by close friends, where where Jews are not getting served there properly, and nurses said straight out, like when the Jews were like, you know, like help us, you know, like this is intubating time, and um, there was emergency, like no one's showing up in the hospital if it's not an emergency. Nurses actually said straight out, and it's a shame it wasn't recorded, um, but they said straight out um, that you're at fault here because you guys weren't following orders, that this thing burst out of control in Brooklyn and then and people actually died as a result of this not that they didn't help someone else they helped someone else but they you know they were just like looking at these Hasidic men or women and just being like you know next you know let's go help someone let's go help someone who's not at fault but meanwhile who knows who that person is that person could have been running around screaming at people to wear masks like you don't know who you're talking to and it's just a stereotype but um Anyway, so guess what? So I was a little upset about that Jerusalem Post article, but guess what's on there right now? I hope it's still on there. And I was so proud of Jerusalem Post for putting it. They, they, someone put the real reason, an actual article, uh, editorial right on the, towards the top of the website, uh, giving the real reason, and it included Arabs, is that the, is that the state itself has established no trust for 72 years with the Torah community. You understand? Like, there's no trust. So, like, had there been a trust established, so the it's the Arabs also, it, it brought up the Arabs and the and the, um, the black hat community. But it actually, a very even-handed article actually explained the reason. Because when I finished the first one about why they're slow, I was like, okay, maybe we should talk a little bit about why they would be so slow. But it didn't mention that. I was a little upset about that. And then now that I was, it was redeemed. Like I looked at this article and the whole story is redeemed with explaining that there's been no trust and asking, as so much is changing in the world today. People are just waking up all over the place. So, because an article like that, I'm telling you before the coronavirus would never, ever have gotten on their website. But, but now all of a sudden there's like a global chuva going on and, and now the state of Israel is realizing, you know, hey, check this out. Check this thought out I'm about to say is that when you when you screw the parts of your population in this case we're the we're talking right now about the black hat community but when you screw the the community over and develop no trust with them so then the virus proliferates and hits you meaning it, i mean when it rains it doesn't just rain on your on this house when it rains everyone's house gets rained on you understand hits everybody and um Thank you, David. And um, so it rains on everybody's house. And so this state needs to do teshuva together and become one. We, we have to become one. They have to stop putting out 
they, the, the state and the media have to stop putting out hatred of Torah and the Torah community have to stop putting out hatred of their secular compatriots here in the state of Israel. And we all have to get off our high horses and come together as one. And, uh, and it's, and it's, it's not a joke, you know, they can point their finger at, you know, the Haredim, but in the end, it's going to hit all of us. And, and it all comes from a lack of unity in the land of Israel between the various, um, philosophical stances. Okay. Back to our prayer. Um, we're back to Nishmas. Okay. Now check this out. The next words are therefore. Now, if you have the word therefore, Alkane, once you have the word therefore, it means whatever I just said, therefore. Okay, so what did I just say? So I'm going to summarize it very quickly. Um, since, since my entire being is, is meant to be or wants to be or should be or is in total vibrational thanksgiving with, the, with you, God. Since that's where I belong, and, and as if I were like, my arms were spread in prayer like an eagle, and my legs were light like rams, yeah, in my jumping towards God, and, and since that's where I should be, since I should be not able to give one godzillionth of the praise, but really give all the praise, since that's the point of all of this, and since God saved me from and saved us from every situation, He's done miracles for us throughout all of history, and He saved us from all those things. Since all of this, Al Cain, therefore, Evarim Shepalakta Banu, the limbs that you've put into me, the Ruach Uneshama, the the Ruach, um, that's the spirit. We spoke about that in the first session. Uneshama and the soul that has blown up our nostrils, shenofachta ba'peno that you blew into our nostrils, v'loshon the tongue that you placed in our mouths, heinhem it used it used mas, uh, female and masculine heinhem they it could have just said they but it said heinhem because I guess some of them are plur, are feminine and some of them are masculine. And then it goes on this long list of praise. I'm not going to translate each one. But it says, Yehidu, meaning recognize God, via Varhu and bless, via Shabahu and praise, via Faru and, and uh, uh, make great, via Shururu, via Roimimu, raise up, via Ritsu, via Dishu, and sanctify. Yamlichu eshim chamalkenu tomit. And we'll, we'll sanctify and crown you, God, always. So I've just basically dedicated my whole, like, you know, my, 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 uh, what do we, uh, what do we offer here? Our, our tongue, our, um, our, our, um, the, the, I'm sorry, all my limbs, my ruach and my neshama, meaning my soul factors, my tongue, all of these things they will praise you which is really cool because if you're if you're like really into this prayer you're like going through these parts like my limbs my organs my my tongue my soul like all of these will be your your name 
our king. To me, it means always. Now, good luck getting there always. But that's what I'm saying now. I'm saying like always. Now, if you were in the first class two days ago, we talked about this is prayer is all about the future. It's a very Mashiach oriented prayer. Okay. So this is like, it's like, I don't want this to be sometimes. I want this to be always. And, um, and I said this uh, last week, but I'll just say it again, is that some people are like, I don't want to do that always. Like, I want to, I want to rock out to loud music sometimes. And, and I want to ride my mountain bike, you know, and I want to, I want to go shopping and I want to like, you know, I got other things I actually enjoy, you know? And so, and so I'll tell you that the only reason you enjoy them is they bring more stimulation than your relationship with God. They just stimulate you more. But what if your relationship with God stimulated you more than those things? What if you got to that level where society or humanity or Mashiach brought us to a level where the stimulation came from that? So you'd just be like, mountain biking? Loud music? Like, shopping? You know, and that's part of this whole coronavirus is like, there's no shopping, okay? Whatever you got is what you'll be wearing this Passover, okay? That's what you're wearing, period, okay? My kids aren't all in new shoes this year. You know, my girls aren't getting a bunch of dresses. My sons aren't getting new suits. Nobody's getting their, no one's getting their hat cleaned, okay? You know, I send my strimal, you know, my big strimal. My strimal goes to, it goes to the strimal guy to re-clean it for 25 bucks, you know? And, and he vacuums it out and who knows what he does with it. But that way I can touch it during the meals, take it off, put it back on and continue my meal, touch my matzah. You know, this year, if I touch my strimal, I'm going to go and wash my hands before I touch the matzah. Because that's the strimal I've been wearing at every meal. Bread meals, you know, and, and uh, you know, no strimal cleaning this year. I don't, I didn't dry clean anything. Like, none of my stuff's dry cleaned. Which means I'm just going to be like, I don't know what I'm going to roll up my sleeves. I mean, I'm totally OCD about chametz. Which has been very helpful, by the way, for the virus. Because most people aren't used to, like, not touching things. But like I, every single Passover, never touch my mouth during the week. I don't touch my mouth. Well, I know I've like got guarded hands during the meal. I'll touch my mouth. Um, but other than that, I do not touch my mouth. You know, I literally we we have a tish in my Hasidic community at the end of the holiday, the last day, and we're all there at the tish, and everyone's enjoying their the tish. You know, everything's going cool. I'm the only guy staring at the clock. And I literally watch, because we're going to bench after this meal. We're still eating matzah, obviously. We're going to bench after the meal, and then I'm going to go home and help, you know, take apart the Pesach kitchen and stuff. And, um, but, you know, we go a good hour or two or three even after, because we don't want to leave Pesach. Like, who wants to leave the holiday? But I watch that clock, and the second three stars come out, meaning whatever is called, you know, the holiday's out, the second the holiday's out, I just go like, <laughs> I like touch my mouth. And like, Oh, thank you so much, honey. Thank you. Oh, my gosh, this giant tea. I even forgot I asked for tea. Ugh, this vitamin C tea, everybody. Lots of vitamin C powder. Get it. Somehow get it. Ugh, and put honey in there. Ugh, and zinc, lots of zinc. Don't stop taking zinc. Okay? Meaning the right amount. 30 milligrams at least a day. Or maybe at most, I don't know. Check out online. Don't miss the zinc and don't miss the vitamin D. C, D, Z, zinc. Baruch Atah Elohim Melech Haolam Shachon Ruach.
Delicious. Yum. I just saw that if you're, if someone's already like coughing a bit, that hot teas can already run it down there to their stomach acids. I just saw that. So, so if you find yourself coughing, just hit something hot and, and just run. It kills it itself and it also runs, anything that lives runs down to your stomach acids. Apparently the coronavirus is layered by a layer of fat. So there's certain things that dissolve fat besides soap on your hands, but there's a lot of things. Even avocados have like double the pH of that fat that's outside the virus. So just eating an avocado can like set you up. Lemons have much more pH. So, so just outdo the pH balance. I think the height, the, it goes from 5.5 to 8.5, the pH of the fatty tissue that surrounds the virus. So, so just eat things that are, you know, have a higher pH. There's a whole list of things with a high pH. Most, most citrus outdoes out the virus in pH and it'll just break it down. You have to hit, when it comes to alcohol, you have to be 65% or over. And I think uh, mouthwash does that. Um, not all mouthwashes, kosher le Pesach, obviously. So that's gonna be an, a issue. So whatever, you have to go back to hot drinks for Pesach, hot drinks, put some lemon in there. Okay. Um, uh, okay, so now it goes on again. Every mouth to you is yode. We keep bringing up that word mode, yode, to recognize, to, you know, it's basically saying, I'm not boss, you are. You know, that's yode. So, because every mouth will recognize, will acquiesce that you're, that you are, it's to you that's the source of things. The choloshan and every tongue. Lechosishova, to you it will swear. Like you want to, you know, you know. Instead of like the way we talk to other people, we're gonna talk to God and swear to God, not to people. You know, I swear it's true. But we're gonna be, you know, if you're gonna give it, if you're gonna use your your tongue to swear about something, I'm not talking about cursing. I'm talking about swearing like an oath. To you, God, we give our oath. V'chol ayin, here's a cool one. V'chol ayin, every eye, lecha titzapeh. Every eye will look, to, will will gaze towards you. Again, we're talking about Mashiach times, but every eye will gaze towards you. Now, here's a cool thing. The word titzapeh has to do with like gazing into the future, like you will be our vision, you know, into the future. But the word titzapeh is also a cool word because you can play with that word. Because guess what the word for um for a coating, like a gold coat on a on a silver, you know, like a silver coating on a vessel when you coat something. Yeah, it's the word sipui. It's a pen. It's a, the word sipui is the same word as vision. So, so what does that mean? V'chol ayin lechatitzape means that that every eye, every eye. I lost my place. Every eye to you. We're, everything will get coded, meaning you'll like see like King, like, like Adam, who's the first man who was able to see God in everything. I mean, he was able to see literally, he could name everything because he could see the names of God calculating their way down to the physical world and then name them, meaning everything was coded with God. 
So again, there's a double meaning in the, the basic meaning, like what art school would put is every eye looks to you. Um, every eye will look to you, but here it's, uh, you could also say every eye will see you coding everything. You know, I, I mean, have any, have you guys ever seen everything coded with God? Yeah. If you have, we got to talk. Okay. And, um, and then there's, um, and then there's, um, now we're at the knees. Every knee will bend to you. Okay, from the word korim, korim, we bend our knees, every knee will bend to you. Okay, and v'chokoima, and every every standing people, person, you know, human beings are the ones that stand on their hind legs, gives us great stature, great ego. V'chokoima, every person's stature, lecha, to you, sishtachave, will will bow all the way down. So knees take it down that far. But every stature will just fall on its face before you. All the hearts, all the levovois, everyone's hearts, will fear you or be in awe of you. Everyone's hearts are just going to be like, like that before God. And everyone's innards, like your actual organs, your innards inside. The chalayos, your, your, uh, uh, how do you say chalayos? Um, oh gosh, uh, what, which one? What? Kidneys, your kidneys. Your, the uh, kerev, and all, and all the innards, and the kidneys. Yezamu l'shemecha. They will sing to you, to your name. They will sing to your name. I mean, this is like, this is like an anatomy lesson. But where your whole body, like, like your whole body, like, like vibrationally on a frequency, everything's going to just move to the frequencies of God. They will sing to you. And then it says, they will sing to you as it is written in scripture. What's written? Hashem all of my bones, now we're at the bones, as it is written, all of my bones, kolats moisai, all my bones in my body. we got a lot of bones in our body. Tormana, they will say, like Lashon Omer, Tormana, they will say, Hashem, Micha Moicha, who is like you? Who is like you? All of the bones of our body will say, will call out who is like you. Can you imagine your bones calling out to God who is like you? You have to understand, I mean, I'm telling you, this may sound a little strange in a Zoom conference to learn this particular prayer. But when you've gotten, right here, we've gotten to about an hour and 25 minutes of screaming at the top of our lungs, which means... Two things are going on at this. Three things are going on at the same time. One, you have to do intensive breathing to scream like that. So you've been breathing with giant inhales and giant exhales, which is called holotropic breathing for the last hour and 25 minutes. Number two is you're doing what's called another therapy, which I'm sure David Hirsch has heard of called primal scream therapy. 
Because once you get about halfway through the hour and a half, your voice starts getting warmed up. Your vocal cords start relaxing and you're able to open up your throat and bellow in a scream that you've just probably none of you have ever discovered. I could never do it right now. I'd have to be yelling for 45 minutes to get there. But in, and I'm not a yeller unless I'm in my alternative ecstatic prayer group, which has not met, obviously, for the last few weeks, which means I still haven't felt like I've prayed since then, um, meaning in this kind of prayer. But you should know it's an amazing release to do it every week. And um, you, you just can't even skip it, you know. And by the way, we all get caffeinated up again during it, meaning during the hour and a half, everyone takes their own little secret trip back to the coffee tea room and just blasts off with caffeine, you know, another another dose of caffeine just to like push through. And um, and let me tell you something about caffeine. Caffeine was discovered by Westerners, but it always was ceremonial in the Amazon. It was a pure ceremonial drink. It was never drunk as a beverage ever. Caffeine for thousands of years was never a beverage. What happened instead is, is in the Amazon jungle, there would be a ceremony of practitioners with a shaman. Shaman's the medicine chief. And they would be in meditations throughout the night. And then at around uh, midnight, 1 a.m., the shaman would come with a brew that was of the coffee bean uh, variety. And uh, they have all kinds of medicines there, but this is one of the more intense psychedelics is, um, is caffeine. And they would, um, they would come with this intense brew of, caf- of coffee, which is coffee. And the shaman, but of course, no one ever had this unless they were at a ceremony. And then the shaman would go around the circle and give everyone a, a little cup of this caffeine, um, which was, you know, a majorly powerful caffeine straight out of the, you know, Colombian jungles, you know, the Amazon and, um, and all over the Amazon where this was done. And, uh, and then what would happen? It would send the, the people in the ceremony into a full on trance till sunrise, a full on heavily psychoactive induced trance till sunrise. And what happened was when the Westerners discovered this, by the way, also no one had ever smoked a cigarette. No one had ever smoked a cigarette until the white man found the Amazon and discovered tobacco. No one had ever smoked a cigarette. The, the Amazonian jungle, um, uh, tribes, all those tribes out there, some of which we've never even found, the uh, tobacco is a, ser- a serious ceremonial plant that's not to be not to be inhaled. It had never been inhaled before. It was used to bless things with a, you can go on YouTube and check it out. They're inhaling the, they don't inhale, meaning they bring it into their mouth and they blow it onto the plants that they're going to be using for breakfast or whatever it is. It, it was to to rid it of spirits or I don't know what they were using it for. I'm not, I'm not an expert in that stuff. But no one had ever inhaled tobacco in the history of the world. Western man found the coffee and they're like, we like this stuff. Next thing you know, Starbucks, you know, billion dollar industry. They found the, t- the nicotine. They liked the way it made them feel. They started inhaling it. And by the way, you can't really inhale ceremonial Amazonian nicotine if you don't want to turn blue and keel over. But I guess they must have cut it in some way. And next thing you know, people are addicted to nicotine. Believe me, Amazonians are not addicted to nicotine. They have no connection to nicotine like that. And, um, and they, uh, and you know, there's some, someone told me that some of the Amazonians 
after all the hell they've been through with the Western Westerners, um, feel that the that the 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 terrible rape that white men caused to the Americas, um, one of the one of the revenges is the is the how nicotine has ravaged white man's um, health. Such victims, you know. It's crazy that people still smoke and during this virus, even they're so gone. Once in a while, people offer me a cigarette, you know, don't know me during Passover. You know, it's the week of Passover. I'm like, I normally don't smoke, but I definitely don't smoke on a week dedicated to freedom. <laughs> that's, that's always my answer to them. You know, I don't smoke, but I would definitely not smoke on a week dedicated to freedom. So, um, so, so back to our, um, thing. So, oh, so what I was saying is that when you, when you're in that ecstatic prayer and you get to the part of, uh, you know, kolatz moisai tormana Hashem, all my bones call to you, God, micha moicha, you're lucky if you can still be standing at that point. I've, there's been many times where I'm sputtering and sobbing and so are all the people around me and, and where there's hundreds of those together you can't hear yourself think oh by the way you don't hear yourself scream you, you understand you're in a room full of screaming men the women's section they just sob the whole time they're just sobbing and sobbing and sobbing so the women sob and the men scream and the uh and the but we wind up sobbing too and uh, especially like we're like a gang you know everyone's like wherever you are in the synagogue is where you've been forever i've been there like almost 30 years and um and the so you get to know the people around you and, you know, all it takes is one of them to lose it and then everyone loses it in your section. And that comes, can kind of feed around the room and now after a while everyone's just kind of losing it. But again, you can say this prayer. You know, you can ask Yoeli over there. Yoeli, give, give us a wave if this prayer is doing nothing for most people most of the time. Because you're just trying to catch up with the leader or whatever. What'd you say? He's part of a group. That's Satmir over there? Yes. So, so Satmir, um, the Hasidim of Satmir, which is the largest Hasidic group in the world, they, um, they took it upon themselves. There's many Hasidic groups that, that the Iron Curtain, the mind and heart numbing Europe, caused certain groups to do extreme moves to try to feel anything. You understand? Like there, I mean, I can tell you about whole different options besides my our, us as screamers. Satmir also is very loud and long and intense, and they they move their bodies a lot when they pray. And they're um, by the way, I only pray in Satmir when I'm visiting New York, and uh, that's where I pray. And Mikva also because they have a cold, and the reason I want a cold is because they have a hot. And good luck starting your day after sitting in 115 degree water. You know, you're gonna fall asleep as soon as you get upstairs to the prayer. But uh, but that ice cold pool just resets you perfectly, and the uh, but I like also that they pray loud and they move their bodies a lot and stuff. Um, 
Anyway, but they go real long, real long. And also Toldus Arn, who are connected a lot with something. Toldus Arn in Yerushalayim goes really long. So guess what he's, it, just to translate what Yaeli said, is that most of the people don't, they'll have nothing to do with that. They'll, when they start Nishmas, people come in and start the very beginning of the prayers. And by the time the leader and the few people who are into it like that get to where this, where we're about to be, they all are able to catch up by just racing through the whole thing. Okay. Anyway, Yaeli, if you ever are allowed back into shul someday, um, on Shabbos, maybe try starting with them at Lo'elam. Yeldam. Try it. And don't forget the caffeine ceremony. Oh, so I, I forgot to mention this. So, so guys, David, after, um, Jacob, everybody, after I heard, um, after I read read this, or I saw it on YouTube about the Amazon caffeine ceremonies, guess what I did? I did this craziest thing. You know what I did? When I when it got to uh, around the Song of the Sea, I left my prayers, which I fueled up before I knew about fueling up on caffeine at this point. But you know what I did? I took five heaping spoons of coffee. Five. I've never done that. I mean, that's nuts. Five heaping spoons of sugar, just to cut the bitterness. I took a bunch of milk. Oh, by the way, I filled it in just a little cup of water. And I stirred it. It was like, it was like stew. It was like so thick between the sugar and the coffee. And then I filled the other half of the cup up with milk just to make it potable. And I just made a bracha and put it down. And I went back out. By the time I got to where we are in this thing, man, I was gone. I mean, I was like, there was not a tear left in my eyes that was not just rolling down my face. And it was just a pool of tears on the floor. And all the guys around me were completely, you know, contact high, crazy, losing it. And I never stopped. I've been doing it ever since. Ever since then. It's already almost been a year now since I've been pulling off this Amazonian prayer trick. So, um, something to think about. I don't know. I would never do that in a regular shul. You know, obviously when I travel to America or wherever I go, I have to be in regular synagogues. I do not do that. I drink one coffee, my fog lifter in the morning and I go pray. And I, that's it till the next morning. Um, anyway, something to think about. Um, Micha Moicha, um, who is like you? Meaning, even my bones scream out who is like you. And then we say, You you save the poor man from the one who's stronger than him. That's the Yetzirah. Because we're all, think about it, with your Yetzirah, you're a poor man. Yeah, you're a, impoverished. Because when the Yetzirah is winning, you're a poor man. So God saves the poor man, Michazak Mimenu from the Yetzirah. The Ani Vevyoin and the poor man and the destitute man, Migoizloi from his thief, which is kind of a funny thing because if it's actually talking about a real poor man, there's no thief. Who's the thief? He's got nothing to steal. He's destitute. He has nothing. So that's why it's clearly talking about someone who's poor of spirit, someone who's like fallen apart spiritually, someone who's lowly of spirit. And what do I mean lowly of spirit? I don't mean someone not spiritual. I'm talking about you, like meaning once you realize how awesome Hashem is 
And you start realizing how small you are compared and how your praise would be like, you know, the top violin virtuoso in the world who just finished an amazing concert. And then some little six-year-old came up to him and tells him he played beautifully. He's like, thank you. You know, like, that's cute, you know, but let's hear from a violinist that I played beautifully. Not from a six-year-old kid who's never heard of, it's his first classical concert in his life. So we are that six-year-old to God. You understand what I mean by the impoverished? That's what it means, the impoverished. We're the six-year-old complimenting a violinist when we give thanks. Because who are we to give thanks to this being? Like, as if, as if we somehow, like, are, are holding in what God's actually doing for us. We have no idea what's been going on all the time. Shavasanima Tatishma. Listen to this one. This one's cool. The, you hear the the um, the yearning of the poor. You hear the yearning of the poor. Tzakasadal. However, the screaming of the person who's really hit rock bottom. Takshiv. You you listen. Visoshi and you save. You know what that means, guys? It means that if you're if you're in a situation where you're struggling and you're suffering and you call out to God, he hears you. However, you really hit rock bottom. And tsa'aka means to scream. And you get to the point where it hurts so bad that you're screaming. Takshiv, then he will hearken. Vesoshia, and he'll save you. You understand? So, like, like where, wherever you've called out to God before, he heard you. But if you want to, yeah, we're going to wrap this up. But if you want to, like, if you want to get, like, like, if you want to get saved, you got to go to rock bottom. You got to go to the bottom of the pail and scream from there. And then it's Tachi Vesoshia. Then you'll, you'll be, he'll, you'll, he will hearken and, and save you. Okay, we're going to wrap it up quickly. Who is like you? And who is equal to you? And who can be... Uh, I'm not going to translate that. You create the heaven and the earth. We will praise you. Another language of praise you. Another language of praise you. And we will bless at Shem Kodshecha Kamor. And we will, we will bless... Your holy name, as it was written by David, Le David. Barchi Nafshi Es Hashem, my soul, my nefesh, will bless Hashem. Korovai, and all my innards, Es Shem Kodsho, his holy name. All my innards, bless his holy name. <sighs> That's it. Blessings, everybody. Love to everyone. Be strong. Be well. Take good care of yourselves and keep the prayers up. And let's see what God's causing us to shake off right now so we can come back, you know, like a kid getting sent out of class and he says, what did I do wrong? And the teacher's like, think about it. And when you're ready, when you get it, come back in. So we've all been sent out of school. We've all been sent out of class, out of schools, out of schools, out of everything. So please, God, we're going to shed our skin, and when we get it, we'll come back in. Shalom, everybody. Shalom. Blessings. Please click on whatever you should be clicking on, uh, whatever it is. Share, save, share this. There's someone you know who needs to hear this, so, like, hit it now. You know, don't wait. 
send it now. And uh, feel free to go online to rabbiyomtov.com and see what's going on over there. Be a member of my club. Shalom, everyone. Sloha. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.